Hello, everyone. Welcome to But Why Though Reviews. Uh, this week, we are diving into the weird and wonderful world of Stranger Things Season 4. Uh, I am Aaron Phillips. I'm a contributing writer at But Why Though. Uh, and just like the strange and wacky kids of Stranger Things, I would not go into this review without my squad, my crew for Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, with me, I have uh, CJ. Say hi, CJ. Hello. And Nisha. Hey, guys. Awesome. All right. Both CJ and Nisha have been are currently podcasters and contributing writers at the site. So you can find all the wonderful work there. Well, guys, it's Stranger Things season four. How are we feeling? All hope is lost. Yeah, that's all I got. It was was worth the wait. I'll say that. It was worth the wait. Yeah. The very, very long wait. So to set the tone for anyone who has not yet dived into, gone back into Hawkins after our three, it's three years. It's hard to believe it's been that long. Um, We are currently back in Hawkins uh, for a, I think it's been eight, nine months since we've last been there. I think the events of season three left us around July 4th, summertime. Uh, the Russians had been kicked out of um, Starcourt Mall. Uh, Eleven had lost their powers. Uh, the the buyers moved to California. Um, it was in a, a really strange place, and it left us with a lot more questions than answers. They say. I know. I uh, kind of recently wrote an article, kind of posing my questions heading into this, just because there was just so much going on. Um, and then as we get into season four, there's a, there's a new villain that's emerged. Uh, strange murders seem to be going on. Um, and it's it's all kicking off again. It's it's all very uh, interesting to how it starts. So I guess my question to you guys starting off the show is, what were your initial thoughts before, as you kind of, you know, watched the trailers before the show kicked off? What were your, what were your thoughts heading into it? Nisha, you want to start? Uh, sure. Um, my initial thought was really like, I just want to know if Hopper is dead or <laughs> is he in the upside down yeah. or is he dead? <laughs> I just, I, I was, I had accepted it was one of two things. Yeah. Um, oh, a third. Did he turn it? Like maybe did he turn into a monster? I don't know. Yeah. Like that was like a wild theory I had. <laughs> like that's really what I was approaching. Like, I just want to know what Hopper's status is. Um, going into it also i hate mike i make that very vocally known <laughs> on social media like i can't stand that child and i went into it prepared for mike to be annoying and obsessed with 11 because she's a superhero um other things just more erica that's also what i wanted um and they delivered on that so i was very i was not expecting the dynamics to have changed so much okay that's something that I'm going in. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's going to be the tight knit group of little kids again. Like, <laughs> no, they're all freshmen now. <laughs> and some of them are jerks. <laughs> what about you, CJ? Well, going in, I was expecting to, I wanted to know more about the Upside Down. Yes, we've seen all the monsters like the Demon Gorgons and the Mind Flare. But I was like, okay, what's next? And the villain kind of answers that a little bit. I also kind of wanted to see how they handled it because as we know, most of the cast is gone from preteens to actual teens. And uh, yeah, it's like change is a big part of the story. Uh, mm-hmm. Lucas is now a jock. 
and Steve and Dustin, I mean, I mean Mike and Dustin are still, you know, playing Dungeons and Dragons and stuff, and Will and Eleven are off in California, and Hopper is all the way over in Russia. It's not, uh, yeah. So yeah, everybody's mm-hmm. in a different place than where they were in season three, and that was fun. And also, um, I was, ex- and um, what I was also expecting was to see how Eleven deals with the loss of her powers, because again, she hadn't had a normal childhood, and now she's mm-hmm. more or less lost the one thing. And I was surprised with how much this series kind of focused on her and her past and her story. And I really liked that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, like I said, it, it season three kind of left us. I felt like with a lot of questions um, again, putting, you know, the teaser of showing, you know, the American in, in like the Russian gulag and things like that. Like, uh, again, my thoughts were like, well, how do the Russians even tie into this whole thing? Um, you know, how's that going to be explored? Then you've got, you know, obviously the buyers moving out to California, like with uh, a powerless, a now powerless 11, I was kind of like, okay, well, obviously that's not going to stay the same way. Or if it does, like, what, what are they going to do with that? Um, there's just a lot of questions. And again, we really hadn't got much of a backstory in relation to, you know, Eleven's history at Hawkins Lab. Like, how did that all come about? Because it still felt there was a lot of story left to be told there. And then again, same thing that you guys already said as well, like, you know, in relation to the upside down, there's a lot there that has not even been touched. I think it's, we've gotten very, very little there. Um, so it's kind of been very interesting. So heading into the season, I, I think that's where my mind was at was because obviously we'd had the announcement um, in the months leading up to the show that, you know, obviously we have season four, part one, season four, part two, and then the final season of season five, which is, I think there's still a lot of confusion out there. I don't know if you guys have found this with talking to other people. A lot of people I, I spoke to thought that this season that had just dropped was was it. Like, that was the finale. Like, it was, you know, before they'd even watched the show. Um, so I don't know if they kind of done a great job at marketing the fact that, you know, there would be more to come. And, and mm-hmm. even from what I read, from what the Duffers have posted, that there'd be potential spin-offs coming as well, um, which would be exciting to see how they explore that. So, um, but yeah, so, I mean, I was definitely excited uh, leading into the show and it, it seemed from the early reviews, it was, I, I think CJ, you kind of coined the phrase, uh, bigger, darker, and a, a bolder or something, <laughs> something yeah. like that. And I, I know as we kind of like, dive into actually talking about the show now it, it it definitely felt like they turned the dial up like from all the you know previous seasons that have come before it and what they've done they just went we're gonna like crank this like way up now and see what we can get away with so cj after having actually watched the show what were what were your actual reactions then shock awe and surprise um Stranger Things often is described as a blend between Steven Spielberg and Stephen King. And this season, they just had to go all the way up with the King, which again is not surprising given how many King adaptations are up. But yeah, there is some severe, there is some really dark stuff when, mm. especially in the opening. My God, the opening. Oof. <laughs> And the fact that this, and the fact that this season is essentially one big love letter to a nightmare on Elm Street, from how the villain operates, 
to Freddy Krueger himself, Robert England, making a really great cameo. Yes. Um, also, this is a very long season. Most every episode is about an hour long, and the seventh episode clocks in at just shy of a hundred minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, I get it. It's been three years, and you want to try and you know get the most out of the binge. On the other hand, it kind of feels like a marathon at times, and some of the plot lines especially Will and Jonathan. Let's be clear. I don't think the Duffers knew what to do with Will after season two. I, yeah, they did not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. You get more story, but it kind of feels tough. You got to tough it out. So yeah, but I do think particularly where Eleven is concerned that the story is worth it as well as Max. I think that uh, Millie Bobby Brown and Sadie Sink are the MVPs of this season. Absolutely. Like say it again, buddy. Absolutely. I, Dear uh Billy is a really, <laughs> really great episode to probably one of the best in terms of how it deals with trauma and stuff. So yes, mm-hmm. Sadie Sink. Just give that young lady all the awards, please. Cause that episode had me just bawling. Just survivor's remorse, guilt, trauma, grief. And I didn't, I did not expect for them to give Max this as in depth of a character arc as we got, but I'm really glad they did because it really gave one, the actress, the actress, like more of a, just, she could just like spread her wings a little bit more on the role. Like she wasn't just like Eleven's best friend and she wasn't the new girl. And like, she's really evolved from being like the new girl in town to your brother died in front of you and that is traumatizing and you're dealing with like isolating yourself but needing help not knowing how to ask for that help and then also like I would say Max has so for since she was introduced she's kind of been like the more sane and stable or one of the more sane and stable of the crew where she's just like she'll have a logical solution for things and like she's now in the middle of a very illogical situation yeah and it's just like, what does that look for? What does that look like for a 14-year-old girl when she's already dealing with trauma and grief and then a supernatural being? Yeah, I mean, you just nailed it on the head there, Nisha, because like, it felt like this season she got a bit more like actual agency with her own story as opposed to being mm-hmm. connected to someone else's story, like the little sister or like the love interest, the new girl you know mm-hmm. Elle's best friend like she was always kind of used to elevate someone else's position whereas yeah. this season it, it's about her dealing with that loss and you know what she does with it um and mm-hmm. she did a phenomenal job and and not only that I think within that episode she actually gets to engage a bit more with the styles of horror because that's one of the things I loved about that that episode of Dave Willie it, it's such a a roller coaster of emotions because and that's one of the, the things I loved about this season was the increased elements of horror like I'm not going to be able to hear a grandfather clock now without like shivering and just like because that noise just and it it, I love it I, yeah it's <laughs> I love it it's fantastic and it's so unique but how they just they they twist it and they drag the audio out at the end oh it was fantastic but Sadie Sink does a wonderful job with that episode where she gets to, you know, in- engage with it a bit more. And she's more than capable. Of it. I don't know if, if you two have seen uh, Fear Street, 
Um, you had uh, Max dealing with her trauma and losing Billy. And I like how they handled that. They acknowledged that losing Billy was very traumatic, but also didn't say, oh, Billy was really a good guy. Billy sucked. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Joyce was very proactive in figuring out about Hopper, even if she had to drag Murray's annoying self <laughs> along with her. Um, and uh, Nancy was very proactive too. Yeah. And figuring out about more about the big bad. And I loved her and Robin working together. Oh, Robin was also very proactive. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I am very impressed with how all the female characters were very handled this season. As for the male characters, it's hit and miss. I yeah. I I generally love the friction between Mike, Dustin, and uh Lucas. What's Yes, Lucas. Yes, yes. Yeah. Mike, Dustin, Lucas, yes. Will and Jonathan, again, I mentioned, you could pretty much cut their subplot and do nothing. And the Hopper stuff is... I mean, yeah, it was cool to see him trying, you know, survive in a Russian prison, but I figured that would have played more of a bigger role in the plot. I'm, I'm so, still yeah. wondering, like, that, that whole Russian thing still leaves me for a bit of a loop, because... There's some interesting elements there, you know, with with how they left it uh, at season three. So we obviously mm-hmm. know that, you know, in the Russian Gulag, they they do have possession of a demagogue. And then you kind of like, you know, my question was like, OK, well, how is it? How were they able to capture? How is it there? Because, you know, we saw in season two, once the gates closed, that, you know, connections should be severed. And it looked like from what we've seen in you know season two, season one, the demagogans would always find those like uh, weak spots in reality and cross over. They had like a, a, a you know, a slight bit of telekinesis themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of curious to see like how that plays in, like what, what is the, the Russian connection there? Cause it just kind of feels like it's there, like, Oh, it's the eighties. So it's America versus Russia. And right. It's like another aspect of the cold war. Yeah. Or like just like, Oh, instead of like an arms race. race. Yeah. Right. Like it. Like yeah. Like an extraterrestrial right. supernatural just... race for a weapon. Yeah. They're racing for a parallel dimension for <laughs> monsters and to harvest and weaponize it, which is just like, I bet you cash money. Season five is going to open with them shooting a dog into the upside down bet on it. <laughs> I will just those Russians. Those no. Russians. Are. Leave the dogs alone. <laughs> Leave the dogs out of the meetups. I, I will I will say, obviously, without going into any spoiler territory, I did like there was a, a very cool action sequence that takes place within mm. that um Russian prison fight scene. And I, I was I was very impressed. And I, I thought, you know, what they highlighted there, they have not highlighted in any other season. And it it definitely mm-hmm. gave some gravity to the situation as far as you know what some of these things are capable of so I, I was impressed with that but i think overall there was just a lot i'm still feeling like okay well there's hopefully there's some explanation there rather than just kind of like oh it's just we needed something for these characters to do because i think that's you know cj highlighted that like some of the the characters there it's like well we need to give them something to do yeah we need to keep them busy as opposed to like, and it's definitely where I felt with like um, Will, Jonathan, um, and Mike's kind of and Ar- Argyle's quest. Mm-hmm. It just kind of just 
didn't really go where I expected it to, or it didn't feel like it had any, you know, impending gravity on the situation, really. Yeah, they're, they really do, not saying they're plot devices, but they are plot devices. It kind of feels like that, that whole road trip search for, you know, we know who for them without giving anything away. It just feels like they're going to come in handy eventually in volume two of season four. Like yeah. this whole thing that Mike and like in the guys with that road trip, it's like, it's going to play into season, like the second half of the season. I can just see that happening. And it's just like, yeah, I just, I don't really care about Mike and um, Will's fractured friendship as much as I think I should. But I think it's just because like you guys mentioned it earlier, the whole season really does feel like it's about change and yeah. disconnecting, but also trying to reconnect with your friends. Like, you have to accept that friendships change where it's like each of them have their own dynamics. I think Dusty's probably the one who's like, we are all who we really are deep down. You guys need to just get your heads out your butts. <laughs> and then you have like, Mike doesn't know, like he just doesn't know how to separate himself from Eleven outside of being her boy, her boyfriend. And so her, and obsessive her, behavior. <laughs> obsessive. And then it's like the whole, I was still very confused by the conversation with Eleven, like the last conversation they had together. And I was just like, is she saying that like, is she coming to the realization that Mike would not have these feelings for her if she, it wasn't for her powers? And that's kind of where that left me. Yeah, I almost felt felt like the, the implication was there was a bit of idolization going on over there as opposed to liking hair for hair. Right. Because I don't think Mike it's this uh, this season kind of made me realize I'm like I don't think Mike would have had feelings for Eleven if it wasn't for her powers. Yeah. And I think Eleven's coming to like is dealing with the fear of like without my powers, I'm nothing. But also, who am I without my powers? And on top of that, does this guy I'm in love with love me if I if I like am I not special anymore to him if yeah. I am without my powers? And like, I don't know, because Mike's been obsessed with superheroes his entire life. And he sees Eleven as a superhero. And he's young. Kids confuse feelings and affection for love. I think what we could be seeing is them just growing apart and accepting that this isn't love. Yeah. But like you said, admiration, idolization. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because like, the whole Mike and Eleven thing, that was such a big part of season one. And then you've got Mike and Will trying to find his friend. Like the whole mm. setup for the show felt pivotal around that dynamic. And yeah. now it just doesn't feel as important as it once did. I would say, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm far more invested in the Dusty, Eddie, uh, Steve triangle than mm-hmm. anything oh, yeah. that's going on with Mike. Mike Absolutely. felt kind of irrelevant. But mm-hmm. with everything going on with, you know, Dustin, Steve and Eddie, I was like, more time there, please, because they are far more interesting. Dustin is just an amazing character. I mean, even I think Lucas got a little bit more time mm-hmm. this season. Like he struggled with that that growth as far as wanting to do something different, to branch out and to try new things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really like that it dealt with that. Like Lucas was like, yeah, I I I want to be into basketball, and it turns out he's really good at basketball. And mm-hmm. uh, Mike and Dustin are scared that because he's good at basketball, they won't he won't have any time for them. And that actually plays a part during the search for Eddie because Lucas is like, I'm gonna stick with my friends, mm-hmm. which I really liked. Yeah, yeah, and that that creates a whole other dynamic within the show as far as like 
you kind of Lucas gets to kind of witness some of the stuff going on with the town of Hawkins as well. And that was another element this season that we got to see, which you don't really get to see too much of like the town feeling like they're cursed with everything going on. And, you know, there's almost like a devil in Hawkins. And it it was interesting to see that kind of town hall. There was a, you know, that town hall situation later and some of the, the the basketball members kind of playing a pivotal role and, it, it was it was kind of interesting to see all that. And again, Lucas is kind of front and center as he tries to become like a bit more, you know, normal and have a normal life. Can I just say that it actually is nice to see the townspeople actually acknowledge, OK, there is some crazy stuff going on with <laughs> murders and our mall blew up and stuff. But it also mm-hmm. plays yeah. into the element of satanic panic that was associated with the. Uh, D back then and it perfect because again they're already demonic forces work but it has nothing to do with a game it has something to do with this creepy dude in another dimension and i really like how they played on that mm-hmm. yeah so i want to quickly move on because we are approaching close to our at the end of our time but what did you guys feel like the episode length for this season i'm here for it um i think I, I, I time wise for like each episode I think it's exactly what I needed even though it's a little bit longer and I don't know if that's more of an issue because there was the pandemic that caused them to have production delays so then they maybe they decided to make things a little bit longer but I was here for it um seven episodes felt like a good spot so I do kind of hope we get I don't I'm when they come back I'm hoping volume two is another seven like I know it's I know this is going to be part one of a season and part two of a season, but I don't know about you guys. Sometimes ten episodes don't feel like enough epi- like enough for a season to really have the full arc fleshed out for some of these series. And I think you know there's a lot to unpack here. I think they did a really good job with the length of the episodes and the length of the volume. Yeah, with what they had. Well, Nisha, I actually because can, can reveal that uh, volume two will consist of the final two episodes, but. Oh, well, episode eight is an Be hour late. and 30 minutes and okay. episode nine is a whopping two hours and 30 minutes. I can live with that. I can live with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah I'm just like un- they uninterrupted story. It's it's basically a big old movie. And uh, I, I kind of get it again. It's been three years and it's one of netflix's crown jewels so of course they're gonna want to pump and stuff and if, as you all can probably see from the upside down they pumped mm-hmm. a lot of money into this yeah yeah i do absolutely. feel however that a better move would have been to split it into like like maybe five episodes like because again it feels like there's about two seasons worth of story mm-hmm. in this story and i feel like uh netflix has done this better with like masters of the universe revelation i think they handled that split better because it mm-hmm. felt like two halves of a complete story here it kind of feels like we got the two first two acts of a story and now we got to wait until july to get the final act right i i mean i i will say i, I i'm i tend to fall nation's way like i i love the episode i just absolutely gorged on it um just couldn't get enough of it um there's definitely parts where it kind of hits lulls here and there but you know overall i was i was really happy because i know i i binged all through the three seasons and I was surprised how quickly when you you're sitting there binging through it mm-hmm. how quickly you go through those those prior seasons so to have longer episodes uh for seven uh you know for those seven that we got I, I was really happy with what we got especially 
uh, you know, I was kind of weary heading into that finale, but that finale does a phenomenal job. And the way it ends, I was just like, oh man, I'm, I'm in. I can't, I cannot wait. Like, and I think they laid a lot of groundwork and they took their time getting there. Because yeah. they were, essentially it felt like they were setting up, you know, like two different paths. And as you get to the end, it all kind of culminates into this big moment. Um, so I was, I was kind of really excited about that. But I, I'm curious to see now how they tackle those final two uh, episodes for part two of season four. And then you've still got season five. So we've still got, you know, a bit more time coming. We've still got a bit more to set up. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it definitely feels like there's there's still a lot more going on with the upside down than we've been led to believe. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm curious. But one thing I did want to ask you, Vecna, are we fans? Or are we not? I am a fan. I, I love the Freddy Krueger vibes and how grotesque he is in the mix of practical and visual effects. And the revelation surrounding him was just, it makes sense. And it's just His origin my story so, yeah. is excellent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yes, I'm also a fan because that reveal, just like the whole time, you're just like, what does all this mean? Why does all this matter? And then suddenly it clicks and I'm just like, all right, you got me. You got me. (laughs) Son of a gun, you got me. Take my money. Take (laughs) your money. You've got me. It also functions as a great parallel to Eleven because she could have been like him, but she has friends and family and he's just outright psychopath. Yep. Yeah. In another world. That's yeah, 11. I like a good parallel between heroes and villains. What can I say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a really, really good villain. And again, he spared no expense in his visual attire and how he looks and speaks. And again, that, that inspiration of that Freddy Krueger behind him, it was just, oh, it's so good. Again, that horror element that they, they attach and associate with him. There's such a weight to his, uh, his power and what he's capable of doing. I, I re- was such a fan of that. I really so, just want to know, like, was Vecna always in the plans? Or was it like, yeah. I, I just, I want to know, it's like, did the, they it's, pivot? It's, yeah. Did they pivot? Did, were they going to go somewhere? And I only, at once, and I, I only have that question because from where we started, it really grew. It, like, the, the cave narrative kind of feels like it was at hand with from season one, where it's like, we only knew so much about the, you know, the upside down yeah. until like it was revealed to us each season. So it's like, here we are now. And it's just like, we still don't know that much, but we know more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, so very quick. Um, Nisha, would you recommend watching this? What's your 10-second pitch to anyone to get them to watch season four? Yes, absolutely watch it, especially for Lady Applejack. I am a fan. <laughs> I also now will be making a character for D&D, <laughs> name her Lady Applejack. But also, for, to see this show come so far, and where these characters are, it's just an amazing work of character development, story arcs building out. It's it's worth a watch. DJ. And the horror. <laughs> I would definitely recommend it. If you've been waiting, it is worth the wait. If you are into horror, this kind of the horror. And if you like narratives that are deep and meaty while dealing with genre work, this is definitely it. it yeah. Really good stuff from here. I am the same. Lots of lots more answers, lots more questions. Just pulled me in. That's I, I love a good story. So lots of mythology and well building there. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, that's all the time we've got for uh, got for you guys. But uh, Nisha and CJ, where can the people find you? 
Um, you guys can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Nisha Plays. That's N-E-Y-S-H-A-P-L-A-Y-S, uh, where y'all can see me talk about anime, manga, and cosplaying and other things like Stranger Things. CJ. My Twitter is CJ Writes Things. My Instagram is CJ Writes Stuff. You can find my written work up. But why though? Collider and IGN. And you can also listen to my podcast, Into the Spirecast, where I speak of all things Spider Man. And I am the host for today's lovely meeting. So thank you too for uh, joining me to talk about everything upside down and the weird, wacky world of Hawkins. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram at British CPA. I am also very active on our wonderful but why the Discord. So if you would like to come join us and talk spoilers on Stranger Things, which the three of us are dying to get more into spoilers, uh, you can come find us on our Discord. The link is on our uh, Twitter and I think our Instagram, or you can find it on our uh, website as well. Uh, CJ has done a fantastic review of the season. Uh, I've asked top five questions leading into the season. So uh, lots of good content for you to look up there. And again, if you want to come find us and talk more about the show, definitely, definitely come join our Discord. That's all we've got time for, uh, but thank you and join us for our next But Why The Reviews.